Welcome, everybody. This is the FCS Football Podcast. I am Sean Anderson, joined by Joe DeLeon via our Discord server. Now, today, February 5th, is a pretty big day across the country, given that it is National Signing Day for high school players going up to try and play college football. Joe, now we both know that this signing day isn't a strict deadline so could you elaborate on your signing day experience for the listeners here yes yes i can so i i just do want to say though that there we're not really going to be focusing too much on signing day today just for the reason that we're recording this right on signing day this is going to be coming out the next day on a thursday just for the sake of waiting to see all the finalizations of all of these player decisions it's a little bit harder to track at the fcs level once we find and and have all of that information we will be giving you a reaction to signing day letting you know the biggest names to know sometime next week now in terms of my signing day shauna you were pretty much in the same boat as me in the sense that you were a preferred walk-on and i didn't know that on signing day so my signing day experience was not as fun as it was for many other people because it started with uh, one of my uh, positional coaches sending me a women's soccer uh, national letter of intent. <laughs> you can probably guess who that was. Don't say it though on the show. But they um, they sent me a women's soccer national letter of intent. I showed it to my high school coach. I'm like, like is, is this normal? He said it's probably fine. <laughs> he said just sign it and send it in. And then I spent the rest of the day trying to contact contact people from the University of Rhode Island to make sure they got it. And I wasn't hearing from anyone. And it, I didn't realize until the next day that the reason why I wasn't hearing from anyone was just because I'm a, a preferred walk-on, they can't directly announce my name. And I didn't, I didn't fully know that. I knew that coming into the situation, I wasn't guaranteed scholarship money until I started. It was a little bit based on that. I thought, though, that I was still going to get my name announced with the signing day class because I've seen a number of other guys have their names announced as preferred walk-ons. So, yeah, it was a bit of a rocky day. It was a little bit hectic for me. It ended up working out for me because I started in 39 career games and I ended up on scholarship. So, I don't know about you. What Was, was your signing day anything similar? I signed a blank piece of oh. paper. Oh, so you did the, the whole uh, mock... Thing. I did that too. Yeah. I did that when I took the picture. Yeah, it was. Yeah, signed a blank piece of paper, and then all the other kids signed the same piece of paper. Uh, I was first up, and then um. I mean, it was what it was, and I, you know, it, Rhode Island was a last chance, you know, th- not throwaway school, but. Hail Mary school to see if they would I had a spot open for me. Luckily they did. So then I just took the cards that I was dealt there and, and just said, okay, here with this, how we're going to do it. And if I don't get a ceremony, I don't get one. If I do, it's cool. So I, it just became like that second half of my senior year of high school was so low that I was just happy enough to, to have gotten a, uh, an opportunity to play somewhere. Cause I mean, you know, the, I've given you all the details before, and I'm not going to bore the listeners anymore with the schools that let you know that college football is really a business. Um, but yeah, it's fine, and I, I I'm happy for all the um, 
all the signees that have that opportunity to to sign that real paper and, and, and make their school proud and their families proud. Yeah, it can really be a hectic process, especially for a lot of people, because sometimes there isn't really a super clear indication of if you are going to be getting an offer. And I, I think some people don't really understand that as FCS fans. It's, it's a bit different at the FBS level. There's not as much transparency in, in some cases. You don't know for sure if that offer is going to stick or not. It might be your only opportunity to keep playing. They might communicate with you, hey, we have a scholarship for you, and they end up giving that scholarship to someone else and then telling you, hey, you can still come as a preferred walk-on. That happens all the time. I know a lot of people that that's happened to, and it, it can really be a sticky situation for a lot of people. It's either the best day of their lives or for some people the worst day because all it really takes, and we'll be talking about all of these three-star three guys and some of these four-star guys that are signing with FCS schools on next week's signing day recap show. It, all it really takes is one of those kids to decide, hey, I don't want to go to this FBS program or, oh, my SAT score didn't get me in at this FBS program. I'm going to stick and take this FCS offer. All that, all it takes is for that to happen, and then you essentially lose your opportunity to, to earn a scholarship. That right. happens so many times because FCS schools, in some cases, I wouldn't say that they're more desperate, but they're obviously going to go out of their way to, to take on that bigger bigger name player. Yeah, it, it's a lot of moving pieces, and then a lot of, but I by then, a lot of people don't have their eyes open to how. I mean, that's the first real instance of real world hitting you right there in the mouth for a lot of a lot of high school kids if something like that happens to them. And you know, I, from what I've heard from players that I've talked to, that's it's only made them more driven and. They've only just taken that and, and ran with it. I mean, obviously you have kids that just quit. Um, but for those that really love the sport and wanted to keep playing, then you know, they, they never really they never really let it affect them that much. But we have other stuff to move on to with this show. And for the second show of the week, we are going to be continuing with our top team uh, recaps and previews. Uh, thanks for all of the suggestions <laughs> that we got. We should be tweeting more. To be fair, we could have asked. We didn't do. We didn't follow up on doing that. Joe, the listeners are are, are you're not giving them enough credit. Okay, there. too much passive listening. They know what we're about. They know what we are about. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're we're not like other shows that only do one show in the off season. So some suggestions wouldn't hurt. I almost don't want to do this first part. Because I didn't get one tweet from Kenneth Ritchie. I guess he just thinks that we're automatically going to do Weber State. I that must be the case. I wouldn't blame them. They they were the third best team in the in the country, which is why that they were going to be next up on the docket. Or he has been taking an off season as well. We'll find out. We'll see if if Kenny Kenneth uh, tweets at us and let us, lets us know. He was very close to from uh, having the correct score in the national championship. You seem you would assume that he would be a little bit more eager but we're gonna let's get right into hitting on and breaking down Weber State who had an amazing season but just came up a little bit short yeah so we're gonna start with what they need to keep doing and we have here reinforce the defensive mentality uh and meaning I put this in here get the team to keep taking pride in their defense and last year obviously you have Constantine who 
overperformed his expectations. You have Josh Davis. It's in the backfield. It's a really good player. But that wasn't the identity of their team. Their team really shifted to a, a defense first. We're going to stick you in the mouth mentality. And that just kind of happens over the progression of a season. Uh, you find a way as a defense to to kind of band together and say, hey, this is what we're about. But in the offseason, sometimes that can get thrown by the wayside because you're not playing every week. So I think that they need to put an emphasis in the offseason, whatever coaches are telling them in their ear, uh, players are telling each other we got to be better this year. But you have to have that pride in the defense to have that carry on because that's really what led them to the, to the semifinals and one game, away, one game away from the national championship. Yeah, having that really hard-nosed defensive mentality is what pushed them forward. At times, the offense was not able to carry the load that you would have really hoped, especially having injuries and issues with suspensions with Josh Davis. Having not a ton of offensive explosiveness against these better defenses, having a good defense to rely on really, really helped them. And we're, we'll hit on and, and discuss the two really important guys that they're going to be losing. They need to do a good job of filling right back in. And we talked about the previous week of North Dakota State and how they had such a good defensive unit, but they're losing so many guys and a number of which that are going to play in the NFL. They needed to continue to refill and reload at those key positions. Well, Weber State's not really losing that many guys. Not that many guys are seniors. They're losing some people to transfer. They still, though, need to fill back in, have the same talent level, and and continue that, that level of explosiveness on defense. And maybe you have those young guys step in along the defensive line. That means you need players in your secondary, which was very, very good, and your linebackers to step up and play at a higher level because they will now know that they have people in front of them that are much less experienced. Now, Joe, what do you believe that they need to improve on uh, in this upcoming year? Well, the, the first thing that needs to be addressed is they're losing two very, very important players and that's Jake Constantine who has indicated that he is going to be seeking a transfer which I think is a bit mind-boggling I'm going to stand by my point I don't think Jake Constantine was that great at times during the season maybe if you're a Weber State fan you want to disagree with me but I think he was inconsistent and also sometimes a bit of a liability on offense your real key star was Josh Davis and then the fact that they're losing their second best running back in a system that used very often two running backs, uh, losing Kevin Smith. You, you need to, first of all, reload at quarterback. Now, they're going to do a good job in recruiting, and we don't really have any finite quarterback commitments as of right now while we're recording this. But just looking at their quarterbacks right now on roster, you have redshirt freshman Taron Berry, sophomore Caden Jenkins, Redshirt freshman Kylan Weiser and then freshman Breck Jackson. So all of these guys, relatively unexperienced, have not really stepped in. You need to find somebody, and you need somebody that can step in and, and play at a higher level than Jake Constantine. I don't think Constantine was, like I said, very, very good last year. He was struggling. You just need somebody that, that can be that, that spot game manager if, if Josh Davis is fully healthy. 
I completely agree. And if I'm Weber State, it's you're filling in for a quarterback this year, and then you kind of lose a bit of your offensive identity. But you have a very good talent in the backfield already, so that should be the offensive identity that you are molding to without knowing who, I guess, is going to be taking the helm. So it's just finding that rhythm uh, for me. It's getting it's getting a true rhythm, which is something that I don't think we ever really saw with Weber State last year. Now, Joe, are they losing any people? So I already hinted on Jake Constantine transferring and Kevin Smith transferring. The two most important that are actually leaving under good conditions is Jonah Williams and Adam Rodriguez, two of their star defensive ends. Jonah Williams will likely have a pretty good shot of making an NFL roster, more so as an undrafted free agent. But they were two of the more talented pass rushers and defensive ends in the FCS. So like I hinted on, losing quality guys like that are going to really negatively impact your defense depending on who those next guys up are, who is going to step in, who is going to be able to, to contribute. And depending on how the level of play is elevated at the other positions around them will really play into that. And I just want to say with Kevin Smith, though, Smith was, was a really good second punch to Josh Davis when he wasn't fully available all year. And I think that's probably part of the reason why he wanted to leave. He wanted to be his own guy and and, and be a lead back somewhere else. But he also did kind of serve as that, that bigger, heavier guy. He, he's only six foot uh, two ten, but significantly bigger than Josh Davis. They're going to need to find somebody that fits that mold and can step in as that bigger, more bruising running back. They have a couple guys that are listed over 210 and even two guys listed over 225. Maybe one of those guys ends up taking over for Kevin Smith, but as of right now, there is a gaping hole at their second running back. Agreed. So from what we're seeing now, it looks like they're having a pretty decent uh, recruiting class that they're bringing in though, Joe. Yeah, we're from what we've seen, and this is obviously being recorded on signing day, but from what we've seen so far, they have a couple three-star recruits. They are getting a transfer from Oregon, uh, Khalif um, Halisay, obviously mispronouncing that. Uh, a number of guys that had offers from FBS programs, Devin Smith, offensive lineman, had an offer from BYU, Connor Finlayson, a PWO outside linebacker, a PWO from Utah. Hunter Scott was the, the bigger pull uh, for them, he had a ton of big F- FCS program offers and an offer from Air Force, six foot five, two hundred and sixty, looking a lot like the former freshman Sean Anderson. And then I think that their other, <laughs> <laughs> it's got like the same hair and everything too. It, 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 you should go look him up. Um, <laughs> he he looks like a, a freshman version of Sean. Who's that? Yeah, Smith? Uh, uh, Hunter Scott. Um, Hunter yeah, Scott. Hunter, I believe it's Hunter Let's Scott. And then the the final big one here is a three star receiver that they're getting, uh, Jordan Turner, who's six foot five. He had uh, a, a good amount of big offers, but getting a six foot five receiver that's a three star, understandably, people like to argue that these FCS ratings for guys sometimes is a bit arbitrary. I believe it was Peter Mooney who pointed out, oh, you know, GMU's guys. We had some people that were three stars that got bumped down to two stars. You know, I get that, but still getting a, a guy that's rated as a three-star recruit that's six foot five, that's a receiver, that's a huge get. It's going to be helping out whatever young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback is going to be stepping in and, and be a huge option for them. Hunter Scott. 
Uh, he's got a bigger neck than bigger me neck. when I was okay. going into his his neck is definitely more defined, like wider so was it, than than mine was when I was going. Would you say in. that was your your biggest weakness as a recruit? Was that you didn't have a I, big enough neck? No, 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 no. I was two sixty, far too light. Even though I thought I was far too heavy. You thought you uh, were too heavy at two sixty? I didn't, dude. I didn't know. I thought like. 280 was supposed to be huge and then i'm going in i'm seeing kevin lawrence and keith coleman who are both 340 apiece i got kyle murphy standing next to me who <laughs> i think he came in at like i think he only came in about 290 but look i got rice who rice johnson who's sitting at 315 i'm like holy hell well Ra was pretty plump he was com- when he when he showed up Let's see this Hunter Hunter Scott's tape. Uh, look, look at his just look at his picture though. He looks exactly like I am, but now I got now I got drawn into watching his tape. Oh, okay. Well, that's real professional uh, of you. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Do you have anything to say on these recruits? <laughs> wait, wait, new, wait. Uh, I have an I idea more. for I, a, a spinoff <laughs> podcast. It's just an hour of Sean watching tape but not saying anything. <laughs> just a, no, just, just occasional just, comments. Just... Like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> so this this all sound all right. All it's right. like ASMR of you. Ready? I'll, yeah, I'll go give, ahead. I'll give a little preview here. Okay, all right. National Signing Day 2020. Purple Rain like that. Hunter Scott is gonna be wearing 74. Ah, he doesn't have very big pipes. Yeah, 260. Okay, <laughs> lining up a guard. Pancake. Well, not even a pancake. Oh god. Okay, set set. Stalemate. Overset him. Step punch. Is this the film that the, this is Weber State tweeting out this film? Oh, should have picked better film. Maybe it's just high quality. Good punch. Open up his hips. Got beat. Huh, okay. Well, where are we now? Montana State. Joe. Yes. You ready? Our second team of the day. Montana State made it deep into the playoffs. Same depth as Weber State. Now, we all. I'm pretty sure we all believe that they outperform their expectations going into this year right yeah certainly making it as far as they did in the playoff it's uh really outperforming it what montana state needs to keep doing joe well one thing that was a huge contribution to why they outperformed i think a lot of people's expectations is one that they had an explosive offense they had a tandem of talented running backs in isaiah fonzi and logan jones and the big thing was Tucker Rovig, who was a sophomore last year, their starting quarterback, looked very good against some big opponents, struggled against North Dakota State, and obviously playing on a big stage as a young quarterback is very difficult. But what we've seen from Rovig and his ability to continue to progress, they just need to keep building around him, adding more weapons, building a good atmosphere for him. They have a good offensive line. I don't believe they're really losing Many offensive linemen, judging from the list that we have here, continue to, to, to develop your offense around a young, talented quarterback. And uh, it, it seems to be something that we're hitting on often with some of these teams. It just so happens that these teams have a lot of young, talented quarterbacks. I, I think that Ro- Rovig has a good shot of being one of the top quarterbacks in the country next year because of what we saw from him past, this past season. Yeah, I don't think that he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that – doesn't keep up his performance. I, that's the w- wrong phrasing for it. I don't see him regressing. That's it. I think that he's just going to – I think that Montana State's going to find a way to um, stick with him and develop him well. In terms of what they need to improve on, 
we're talking about developing and improving the atmosphere for Rovig and around him. The opposite of that is that they need to reload at the running back position to help him because Isaiah Fonzi was their second leading running back. He's returning, but they are losing Logan Jones, who was their leading running back. He had 900 yards rushing last year. Both of those guys were huge offensive weapons in their run game, and having those smaller, shiftier, compact running backs really worked well with their offense. So in terms of improvement, they just need to find and figure out who that, that second guy is who's going to be your your second punch to Isaiah Fonzi. Yeah, I agree. I mean, running backs, it, Montana State had a really balanced offense last year, which is why I think that they were so dangerous. You lose Logan Jones, who had over 800 rushing yards. Obviously, your number one back. Uh, if Fonzie, I mean, it, he's experienced. That's fine. And maybe you bring in some uh, running backs and you get some really talented high schoolers. But it, I think you need to find uh, a way to make to, – to see – if Fonzie needs to be a buy or sell for you. It, it can't You can't tread water with him. And that's that's what I see, how they need to Im- improve. You. You, you get what I'm saying, Joe? I, I certainly do. And they're losing a good handful of guys. Who are, who, who are those? some of those guys that are worth noting that they're lo- they're losing this year? Well, the biggest names aside from Logan Jones is obviously Bryce Sterk, their star defensive end. Kevin Casas, a really good wide receiver for them. They're losing Mitch Broad off the offensive line. And they're losing a, a handful of defensive backs. JoJo Henderson, Greg Filer, Damian Washington, and, and, and two safeties. Which... It, you lose all those defensive backs, which is one thing that that really sticks out to me. But it seems like, and I, we can get more in depth on the recruiting here. But they did confirm bringing in Jeffrey Manning, a safety from uh, Oregon State, who's transferring to Montana State. So it's good to see that they at least have some form of immediate replacement. Obviously, not too deep into signing day. They also signed a, a long snapper and a and a uh, kicker, Joe. You you noted the so you far, noted so the long snapper that they signed. <laughs> yeah, they got a he got a big announcement on the oh, Twitter. Interesting. But defensive backs, I'm they. That's going to be a lot of depth to replace because defensive backs in college they get they're they're at their best at their freshman and at their senior years from what from what we saw because freshmen they still have that high school speed and they're just playing naturally and instinctually where sophomore and junior year they're learning how to play with more technique and playing better in a system and they're not just out there like wild dogs uh playing how they did in uh in high school and then their senior year they've had three years to really get that technique down and find a way to hone in on everything and now they can play with instincts and they can play with their technique and in the game plan so losing all these defensive backs, it, not to have to reiterate, but it, that is probably one of their biggest losses, not in total talent, but total numbers and depth, especially with upperclassmen. And l- looking at this list of commitments that they have for this year, they, they did pull a pretty good class. They have three transfer three-star guys, one from Arizona, one from NC State, and one from Oregon State, a safety uh, a pro-style quarterback, and a wide receiver. But additionally, not counting the specialists because the specialist ranking scheme is a bit odd. I'm not even going to get into that. They did haul in a number of, according to 24-7 Sports, a number of three-star players 
a corner, uh, Max Lindsey from Oregon. They also got a big offensive tackle, Rush Reimer, three-star from Washington. Danny Ulakepa, inside linebacker, three-star. Just a, a, overall a very, very good haul. And I, I think Montana State has never struggled in being able to recruit because they have pretty top-notch facilities and, and always been a, a very comp- a big competitor in, in recruiting. I think that they did. I think that Lindsey signing from Oregon, you get the number seven uh, cornerback in the state. I think that's a direct um, response to them losing all that depth in the defensive backfield. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and it really – they really did a good job of, of, of filling back in. I, I would not be surprised if they were able to bounce right back again. Not losing any major key performers besides those all those players in the secondary – they should be able to bounce back and come back and, and compete right away. Well, Joe, as always, to our listeners, do you have any advice of how they could impact the show going forward in the offseason? Um, I do not, but uh, make sure to go follow us on social media. Not sure what you're going for there. I, how about send us a team that you would like us to break down? <laughs> Why did you just say that? You I was slap. tossing you the oop because I'm the I'm the only one that yells at the listeners. I wanted you to take a shot. Well, I'm not. I don't think like you do. So just yell at them. Well, send us send us any teams that you want us to discuss. Also follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon and at Sean Anderson sixty five and at Believe Podcasts. In addition to that. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Art19. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.